Kamala Harris drops out, the other 2020 presidential candidates jockey for position, and House Democrats release their massive 300-page impeachment report. I am Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? I mean, seriously, what are you waiting for? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, it's a sad day, a sad day, because one of our favorite candidates here at The Ben Shapiro Show, Kamala Harris, the illustrious senator from my home state, who is a terrible attorney general, and she's a terrible senator, most well-known in the Senate for pushing conspiracy theories about how Brett Kavanaugh was potentially a gang rapist and pushing standards of evidence that would not pass like a straight jury trial in any normal county in the United States. Now, Kamala Harris, who soared to the lead very briefly and then immediately crashed and burned like the Hindenburg, well, finally, she called it quits yesterday months in advance of the first primary, which is pretty shocking, considering that my theory was that this was going to be sort of a wheel of fortune, that basically everybody was going to get a shot at the top, that if Kamala Harris had stuck around long enough, the media would have done second look at Kamala. Well, instead, she dropped out yesterday. And honestly, I'm I'm really sad about it. All I can think about are all the memories we shared together. Uh, there is her beautiful smile and the laughing, the crazed insane joker-like laughter. <laughs> oh, there it is. The awkward laughter whenever she got a question she didn't like. His life is just so hilarious. Uh, shed a tear for um, Oh, There's the laughter. The laughter that made Hillary Clinton look non-socially awkward by comparison. Yeah. Solid stuff there from Kamala Harris. Now, for folks who can't actually watch the show, the reason you need to subscribe is so that you can see all the beautiful montages our producers cut of Barbara Streisand singing memories <laughs> over, over Kamala Harris laughing like a crazed hyena. My favorite tweet on all of this, by the way, was it comes from the inestimably horrible columnist Jennifer Rubin. So Jennifer Rubin, you will recall, was once the conservative columnist for the Washington Post. And then Instead of just getting rid of her when it was obvious that she was not conservative, they just were like, oh, yeah, she's not our conservative columnist anymore. She's just not conservative. She's a, she'll remain our columnist. She'll, she just won't be conservative anymore, which I guess is one way to approach it. But for, for years, they kept calling her conservative, even if she kept moving it to the left and to the left. So she tweeted out after all of this, if, if empathy and joy determined presidential elections, Harris would lap the field. If by empathy, you mean complete executive tyranny and locking up truant mothers, absolutely. And if by joy, you mean creepy, inappropriate laughter that puts you second on the list to succeed Joaquin Phoenix, then sure, empathy and joy, empathy and joy, Kamala Harris. By the way, it's not that we revel in the downfall of political adversaries. There are all sorts of people on the left who are going to drop out of this race, and you're not going to hear me cheer them. Beto, I cheered. I cheered because Beto is actually awful and wanted to run roughshod over our rights. Well, Kamala Harris is exactly the same, except she's more cynical and more calculated and I think more dangerous. So her going, she gets exactly what she deserves. Every bit of mockery is earned. The fact that her campaign soared to the top and then absolutely flamed out Icarus flying too close to the sun and those wings just melting. Quite beautiful. I think it says something good about the Democratic Party, honestly, that Harris is out. One of the things that I think that it says that is good is that black voters in the Democratic Party never latched on to Harris, which is great because frankly, identity politics sucks. And if they had latched on to Harris simply because of the color of her skin, or if they had latched on to Cory Booker simply because of the color of his skin, that'd be kind of racist. The fact that black voters have turned toward Joe Biden instead of turning toward Kamala Harris or Cory Booker is a good thing for the country. 
Just like I think that white voters should not judge people on the basis of their color. I don't think they should only elect white people. I don't think the black voters should only elect black people. So that says a good thing that the Democratic Party seems to have missed in their craze for intersectionality. And as we'll see, the media simply don't understand it. The media believe that the black community in the United States, black voters in the United States should have resonated to Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. All the white members of the media, they cannot understand why black voters didn't automatically rush in droves to a candidate as awful and off-putting as Kamala Harris or as awful and off-putting as Cory Booker, who, to be fair, is a lot better than Kamala Harris. They, they, they can't understand it. The media's coverage of this is also hilarious because the media seem to have noticed that Elizabeth Warren is a white person. It only took them like several years of claiming that she was actually Native American to realize that she is actually a white person. We'll get to all of that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that your car right now in LA, we are experiencing rain. I know. This is not what I signed up for. Well, rain, sun, wind, dirt, salt, all of these things wreck the look of your car, which is why I'm going to talk to you now about the last coat. It's a proprietary, versatile, durable, all-in-one, easy-to-use, all-surface, do-it-yourself coating that gives cars a slick, mirror-like finish in minutes. It's also great for glass, vinyl, leather, stainless steel, countertops, electronic screens, most fabrics, and a lot more. It's a great gift idea because, hey, you can protect pretty much everything that's ever outdoors using the last coat. It creates a protective shell on your car that protects it from UV rays, road salt, abrasive soaps, extreme temperatures, and more. The protection and coating lasts up to six months. They've got thousands of five-star reviews online. It's 100% made in the USA, and you have a 365-day money-back guarantee, so you got nothing to lose. For a limited time, my listeners can get a 25% discount on a 16-ounce bottle of the last coat, the most durable all-surface DIY coating technology on the market. For reference, an average-sized car takes like one or two ounces for full coverage. To take advantage of the 25% discount, text BEN25 to 29071. Again, text BEN25 to 29071 to get 25% off. The last coat, a great gift idea for the car enthusiast in your family. Text BEN25 to 29071 to take advantage of this limited time offer. Okay, so Kamala Harris put out the announcement. She also, her, her husband put out, well, honestly, I thought it was kind of a rather sweet tweet of him hugging her and saying, I've still got you, which is, which is nice. But her campaign announcement that she was suspending is fairly ridiculous. She says, 11 months ago at the launch of our campaign in Oakland, I told you all, I am not perfect, but I will always speak with decency and moral clarity and treat all people with dignity and respect. Unless they are accused truant mothers, I'll throw them in jail and threaten them. Or potential Supreme Court justices who disagree with me on Roe versus Wade, then I will unfairly persecute them and pretend that I have evidence that they're gang rapists. She doesn't say that last part. That, that's just is the part that's, that's true. She says, I will lead with integrity. I will speak the truth. And that's what I've tried to do every day of this campaign. So here's the truth today. I've taken stock and looked at this from every angle. And over the last few days have come to one of the hardest decisions of my life. My campaign for president simply doesn't have the financial resources we need to continue. I'm not a billionaire. I can't fund my own campaign. And as the campaign has gone on, it's become harder and harder to raise the money we need to compete. Now, I will say it is hysterically funny to watch as every major Democrat now complains that there's too much money in politics on the Democratic side of the aisle. We haven't even reached the general election yet. And I'll show you. All the Democrats today are claiming that the reason that Kamala Harris is out, the reason Cory Booker is experiencing trouble is because they can't raise money. And if only they were billionaires like what, Joe Biden? Joe Biden is, I think, the poorest person on the Democratic side of the aisle. Maybe Pete Buttigieg, one of the two. Buttigieg hasn't been having trouble raising any money because he's a crap candidate. Biden has been having trouble raising money, but he's got name recognition. So the complaints that I'm not a billionaire, so I couldn't get ahead in this race. There was a point where Kamala Harris was your poll leader. In fact, there was a point where she was bragging about how she was your poll leader. Right after Tulsi Gabbard slapped her during one of the debates, 
Kamala Harris said that she was a top candidate. In fact, she was a top tier candidate. This is one of the charming things that makes Kamala Harris one of the earliest candidates to drop out of this race. This is going to sound immodest, but I'm obviously a top tier candidate. And so I did expect that I would be on the stage and take hits tonight because there are a lot of people that are trying to make the stage for the next debate. Yeah, for a lot of them, it's do or die. Well, yeah, and especially when people are at zero or one percent or whatever she might be at. And so I did expect that I might take hits tonight. By the way, guess who's still in the race? Tulsi Gabbard. Now, by the way, the conventional wisdom that you're seeing online, which is that Tulsi Gabbard slapping at Kamala Harris basically killed Harris's candidacy. That is not true. Kamala Harris started dipping in the polls as soon as she achieved the lead because she's awful, because she was lying about her Medicare for all plan. She flip-flopped on that eight different ways from Sunday because she lied about her own criminal justice record because, again, she's personally extremely off-putting. I mean, more so than even people like Elizabeth Warren, more so than Cory Booker. Tulsi Gabbard, I mean, the subtlest cuts cut deepest. Here's Tulsi Gabbard tweeting out, sending my best wishes to Kamala Harris, her family and supporters who have campaigned so hard. While we disagree on some issues, we agree on others. And I respect her sincere desire to serve the American people. I look forward to working together on the challenges we face as a nation. Well, that that kind of hurts considering how Tulsi Gabbard stabbed her directly in the chest (laughs) in one of the earlier debates. Remember this glorious moment when Tulsi Gabbard just finished Kamala Harris on the stage. Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place. Owie. Well, now it's Tulsi Gabbard vids her a fond aloha. Aloha. Catch you later. <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard just sitting over there, strumming the ukulele, having herself a grand old time. Again, it wasn't Tulsi Gabbard that put Harris out of the race. It was Harris who put Harris out of the race. Her original attack on Joe Biden, which sent her soaring in the polls and the media just gushing over her, was a dishonest attack. Right, here is This was her big moment, her only big moment in the race is when she was hitting Joe Biden on forced busing, suggesting that Joe Biden was a racist for not supporting forced busing in the 1970s. By the way, she doesn't support forced busing. Virtually no one really supported forced busing in the 1970s because it was a bad policy. Forcing children out of their local schools, forcing them onto buses to drive an hour to schools where they knew no one was a bad policy that ended with white flight to suburban areas and different local school districts. I mean, that's what forced busing resulted in. In fact, Kamala Harris knew that, which is why she doesn't back busing today. It was obvious. I mean, I talked about this at length at the time. I, I think I did a full podcast on Kamala Harris's dishonesty on busing. Here is Kamala Harris attacking Joe Biden. This was her only great moment in the race, and it fell apart immediately, like immediately, because it was obvious that she was lying. It was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Okay, well, it turned out that her her whole story on busing was at the very least, deeply flawed. And also her attack on Biden for suggesting that 
he had to work with senators he didn't even like, which was his actual quote, that, that backfired on her dramatically. But here's the good news. We will always have the bizarre, off-putting Howard Dean-like video of Kamala Harris walking out of a building and laughing at a bus. We'll always have that to share together. Here's that video one last time as we bid a fond farewell to Kamala Harris. That was take seven. That was take seven. The first six takes were not nearly as enthusiastic, but she had to really get herself up for it. Look at her bus. That bus will now be repurposed back to the California Department of Corrections where it will jail low-level marijuana violators at the behest of Kamala Harris. By the way, I'm expecting the Department of Corrections to show up at my door for criticizing Kamala Harris because she is still the senator from this awful state. The real downside to Kamala Harris dropping out of the race is now she can focus on making my home state even more garbagey than it already is. We will get to more on the Democratic side of the aisle, more on the Democratic race, momentarily. But first, let's talk about how you need better frames on the pictures you have at home. Okay, the fact is that an inexpensive frame can really make a great portrait, a great photo look crappy. And if you are looking for a great gift idea, right, you want to give a a friend, family member, something that they will cherish for a long time, what you get them is a really nice framed photo for Christmas. we're, We're doing this actually for my grandmother, Right now, the best way to get a beautiful frame that's not going to cost you a fortune is to go over to FrameBridge. If you've heard, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me talk about FrameBridge before. They make it easy and affordable to frame your favorite things from art prints and posters to all your best photos. And with the holidays fast approaching, FrameBridge makes a perfect way to give a great, easy, thoughtful gift. In just minutes, you can turn a photo from your phone into one of the best gifts ever. So here's how it works. You go to FrameBridge.com. You upload your photo. You preview, preview your item online in a variety of frame styles, or you select one of their best-selling designs. And then the expert team at the FrameBridge factory will custom frame your item and deliver the finished piece straight to you or anyone on your list. A handmade personalized gift from FrameBridge starts at 39 bucks, which isn't a lot of money. All the shipping is free. Plus, my listeners get 15% off their first order at FrameBridge.com when they use my code Shapiro. Now, I have this great photo of me with my wife and kids. We sent it over to FrameBridge. We had it framed this way. It looks just fantastic. Become a gift-giving legend by using FrameBridge to give high-quality, one-of-a-kind gifts. You can order in minutes. Go to FrameBridge.com. Use promo code Shapiro. You'll save an additional 15% off that first order. Go to FrameBridge.com. Promo code Shapiro. FrameBridge.com. Promo code Shapiro. So, as I say, it is wonderful to watch all of the candidates that, that Kamala Harris attacked now bid her a fond farewell. Here was Joe Biden bidding her a fond farewell. My reaction is she is a first-rate intellect, a first-rate candidate, and uh, it's a, a real competitor. Nope. I, uh, I mixed emotions about it because she is really a solid, solid person. We're <laughs> uh, loaded with talent. And I'm sure she's not dropping out of wanting to make the changes she cares about. <laughs> One of the things I love about Joe Biden is that he is so rankly dishonest in so many ways, but every so often he says things and his face betrays him. As he gets older, the, the sort of grin that he pastes on that mug, right, it's becoming more and more obvious when he's actually happy inside. And that entire clip, he can barely hold back from chortling. He can barely hold back from chortling. It's great. He's like, I have mixed feelings. He's like, I have mixed feelings about this, guys. Like, you know, like really mixed feelings. Like, like I can't even express how mixed these feelings are. If you, if you actually watch the clip, he is smiling while he says he has mixed feelings. <laughs> oh, she deserves it so much. She's so awful. She's so awful. Well, the media's angle on this is, of course, that everybody's a racist. It's not that she's a garbage candidate. Because Cory Booker is still in the race, by the way. And it's not that we had, I don't know, a two-term black president who was elected overwhelmingly both times. No, it's that everybody is racist again. See how this works? 
You see how this works? Every time a black person is elected, that is symptomatic of the fact that America has moved, has has somehow gotten past its own racism, but only momentarily, only momentarily, only for like eight years. And then Obama's no longer in office and everybody goes right back to, oh, you know what? Everybody's racist again. Weird, weird. It's it's this idiotic, bizarre notion that that outcome determines intent. Okay, meaning that it's not that intent determines, determines outcome. It's that if the outcome is not what you want, then you can infer the intent from what happened. So if Barack Obama was elected, that means that the American people got past racism for like half a second. But if they don't resonate to Kamala Harris or Cory Booker, mainly because both of them are wildly rehearsed, right? Kamala Harris was mechanical. I mean, she's just a bad actress. Cory Booker is over the top. He's like Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. Everything that Cory Booker does is wild-eyed and crazy, and so he has not caught on with anyone. He's also manipulative, and everybody sort of gets that. But the media's play is that if Cory Booker or Kamala Harris are not on the final debate stage, that is because Democratic voters are racist. So like the, I, I feel like Emperor Palpatine in Return of the Jedi. Good, good. Yes, do this, media. Do this. Please, tell all the Democrats how they are vastly racist because they don't love Kamala Harris or Cory Booker. And basically, the entire media were doing this, right? There was a whole MSNBC panel explaining that Kamala Harris had it rough because she's a black woman. Let's be straight about this. If Kamala Harris were a white woman, she never would have been running for president in the first place. She is a, what, a first-term senator from California who is not popular in her own home state. No one likes her here. Everybody kind of is like, okay, Kamala, like, really? Nobody's into, she was going to lose her home state. The reason she dropped out this early is because she was going to completely bomb in her own home state. That's the reality. Okay, the only reason that she was considered a national candidate is because the media were calling her the female Obama. They were saying, oh, she's a black woman and therefore she checks all the intersectional boxes. It's why everybody saw her as a deep threat, even though she has no record. She's produced no serious legislation. Her main moment on the stage of, of the Senate was ripping into Brett Kavanaugh on false auspices. Kamala Harris, by the way, out of the presidential race, Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. So that's a win for President Trump right there. Here's the MSNBC panel, however, declaring that really Kamala's a victim. She's a victim. Now, if, if Harris is a victim of anything, it's of the fact that she's horrible, that she's absolutely terrible. But here's MSNBC declaring that she had it rough because she's a black woman, despite all the evidence that she actually had it a lot easier from the media, specifically because she's a black woman think that women are still held to different standards as candidates. They have to have well-run campaigns. Never mind that Donald Trump didn't have a campaign. He literally flew around Absolutely. with hope ironing his pants. They they have to be perfect on the stump, which she, I never saw her stumble. Joe Biden is beloved. Uh, I'm a fan. He's never perfect on the stump. I mean, I do think there is a gender piece here that we still suck at talking about. She had the double-edged sword of not just being a woman, but being an African-American woman and the judgment and the standards that she had to deal with as that with that baggage. Yes, let the hate flow through you. Every moment you become more my servant. Like this is just yes, great. Do this. Do this. Seriously, it's the double-edged sword, don't you see? See, the Democrats are racist now. The Democratic voters, they're the ones who are not polling for her. Andrew Yang was getting better numbers than she was. And it's because the Democrat voters are racist. So I'm glad to see that MSNBC elites are now turning to their own voting base and saying, you guys are racist because you didn't love Kamala Harris. It's wonderful. And this was the message across media yesterday. This was the message across media. It also carried a, a sort of covert message that was hilarious. So CNN's Brianna Keeler, she said, now the stage, I mean, look at this stage. This stage is old. And white, white, so many white people. Woohoo! Here is Brianna Keeler.
thought that was a really interesting point there at the end. Jeff made this becomes an older and wider field for the top tier candidates. It certainly does. And I think uh, it's a lesson in how when you run for the presidency, you need to have a message mm. and you need to stick to it. I think she made a decision and her staff made a decision that she just didn't want to be embarrassed uh, in her home state. And um, and you're right. The field is looking a lot wider and a lot older. Wow. Whiter. Older, so bad, quite old. So Cory Booker, who is the last black candidate left in the race. Booker is like, yeah, man, now's my moment. Sure, I've only raised $7 so far and sure, nobody likes me. And sure, everybody is sort of weirded out when in the middle of a debate, I reach, I reach into my Mr. Potato Head back and pull out my hangry hoist. But now's my moment because if I can just get the Democratic base to rally around the fact that they are racist and they need to vote for a black person, then that will change everything. So here is Cory Booker on with Chris Hayes last night talking about our debate stage might have no diversity, no diversity. Am I enjoying this? You bet your ass I am because I don't think that skin color diversity matters. I think ideological diversity matters. I think the quality of a candidate matters. But I'm amused to watch the Democrats now hold their own voting base to their own idiotic, horrific race first standard. Here is Cory Booker covertly calling the Democratic Party racist if they don't nominate him. It's pretty great. Kamala, before she was a senator, presidential candidate, she was my friend. She was my sister. And so today I'm a little angry, I have to say, that we started with one of the most diverse fields in our history, giving people pride. And it's a damn shame now that the only African-American woman in this race who uh, has been speaking to issues that need to be brought up um, is now no longer in it. And we're spiraling towards a debate stage that potentially we're still fighting to get on it, but could have uh, six people with no diversity whatsoever. You thought your pitbull powers were a match for the dark side of the force? It's just, it's great. Like, really, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying it because you held Americans to this idiotic standard. It didn't matter that Americans were perfectly willing to vote for a black candidate for president two times, two times. And by the way, the first time he was utterly unqualified for the presidency. He'd been in the Senate for five seconds. He'd never done a damn thing except make a couple of speeches about unifying America. He proceeded to completely divide America, but he was voted for twice. But now I'm... I, I love it that Cory Booker is calling the Democratic Party base racist. That's what he's doing. By the way, he put out an email, did Cory Booker, in his desperation. He put out an email. I'm on all of the Democratic candidate email lists, and, and they're pretty fun. He says, Ben. Yeah, Cory. He says, Ben. I'll get right to the point. Six candidates currently in the race are qualified for the DNC's December debate. But as it stands now, after starting with the most diverse presidential fields in our nation's history, you might not see our party's diversity reflected on that stage. Not a single one of the candidates who have qualified for the December debate is a person of color. And Ben, that's a shame. What he's really saying is, you know who's a person of color? Corey McBooker. Look over here, this guy. He's got two thumbs and he's standing right here. Cory Booker, that guy. Says these thresholds have had the effect of denying candidates of color access to the debate stage while paving the way for billionaires who are inflating their support through massive ad buys. Ah, so now we're gonna rip on the people like Tom Steyer who've been spending hundreds of millions of their own dollars in a quixotic campaign for the presidency. Now, listen, that's his business. If Tom Steyer wants to do that stupid thing, Tom Steyer can do that stupid thing. But I am enjoying the fact that Andrew Yang is out polling Cory Booker. He ain't out spending Cory Booker so far as I'm aware. He's raised some money, but that's because Andrew Yang is not a charmless human being. I love that. I love that he is now ripping the thresholds. He's ripping the basic standards for getting on the stage because he can't surpass them. He says, the race is still far from decided. No one knows who we will choose as our party's nominee, but it would be unacceptable if our final choices did not reflect the rich diversity of our party. Spoiler alert, 
Your final choices will not reflect the rich diversity of your party. It is a unilaterally, homogeneously leftist party. And the fact that you've ended with a bunch of white candidates, by the way, I, I'm, I'm also enjoying the fact that apparently we are now getting a clarification of the hierarchical intersectional standard. That's exciting. Right? Apparently, Pete Buttigieg's homosexuality has no impact on his standard here, right? He's just a white guy. And apparently, Bernie Sanders' Jewish atheism, right? That, that has no standard on the stage. Elizabeth Warren is a woman, doesn't add diversity to the stage. I mean, Klobuchar, as a woman, doesn't add diversity to the stage. Really, when the Democrats mean diversity, they mean diversity of skin color alone, which is, it's good to get that clarification. We'll get to more of the Democratic Party turning in on itself, which is just wonderful. Let them fight. We'll get to that in one second. First, let's talk about something almost as delicious as this Democratic turning in on itself. That, of course, is Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks, supremely delicious, supremely great, according to everyone who has tried them. In fact, Omaha Steaks has a great deal for you, for all your buddies, for Christmas. Okay, it's just, it's just fantastic. Go check them out. Omaha Steaks has an amazing limited time offer for my listeners. You can get a jump on your holiday shopping. Head on over to omahasteaks.com, enter the code Shapiro in the search bar to order the favorite gift package. It's the gift anyone who loves steak will love for just $69.99. Order now. You'll get four six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet mignons, four premium pork chops, four Omaha Steaks burgers, four perfectly brown potatoes au gratin, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets, an Omaha Steaks signature seasoning packet, and for my listeners, you get a free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board. That is one hell of a deal for $69.99. Get all that delicious food and the cutlery set that whoever receives the gift will enjoy for years to come, $69.99. Again, order now. You get the favorite gift package plus that free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board for just $69.99. Head on over to omahasteaks.com. Type Shapiro in the search bar. That's the only way you can get the deal. omahasteaks.com. Type Shapiro in the search bar. Don't wait. The offer ends soon. Order that favorite gift package today. I mean, my goodness. If I didn't keep kosher, you know how much I would love to receive that gift package? Woo, that'd be a great gift. omahasteaks.com. Type Shapiro in the search bar. Okay, so Cory Booker turning on the media, turning on his own party. He says, put me on the debate stage and I'll demonstrate that I can, and I have. United, moderate, and progressive Democrats, I'll demonstrate that I can, and I have. Excited and engaged black voters, the most loyal constituency of our party. Well, not only have you not excited and engaged black voters, you have 0% black support. He says he'll demonstrate he's the only person in this race who can rebuild the coalition that elected President Obama we need in order to defeat Donald Trump. Basically, Cory Booker is saying that only if we, we have a black nominee will black voters show up, which seems... Tacitly racist, does it not? That the only way that you're going to get black voters to show up in droves is if you have a black candidate at the top of the ticket? That's, that's a little racist. Okay, so that one is pretty funny. That's, that's one letter that's pretty funny. The other letter that is pretty funny comes from Elizabeth Warren. So as I say, I'm finding it hilarious, hilarious that the entire media are now saying the stage is old and white. Did they just notice Elizabeth Warren's a white person? I was reliably informed by members of the media that she, because of her high cheekbones and her Native American heritage, she was a representative of diversity on that stage. She called herself a Native American in like the Harvard Law School yearbook for years. Elizabeth Warren was a member of the indigenous tribes of America. Now, yesterday, the media were pointing out that the stage is old and white and Liz Cheney tweeted out, don't forget about Pocahontas and everyone went nuts. How could Liz Cheney say Pocahontas? That's so racist. Can we dispense with this idiocy, please? Okay, when, when Trump calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas or when Liz Cheney calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas, they're not making fun of Pocahontas. They're making fun of Elizabeth Warren who lied about her own heritage. And it is ridiculous to me that the media focus in on people pointing out that she has stolen intersectional valor, that, that, that the mockery of her is somehow considered 
that the mockery of her somehow considered the racism as opposed to the fact that she was masquerading as a Native American for decades of her own political and personal and professional life. No, Liz Cheney was not making fun of Native Americans. She was making fun of Elizabeth Warren for pretending to be a Native American for years. We all do it on the right. Why? Because it's insane and ridiculous. And the fact that the left has decided to go along with it until now, apparently, is hilarious. By the way, why, why didn't Kamala Harris ever attack her on this? I was always bewildered by this. It made no sense to me. Kamala Harris had an open lane right there. All she had to do was slap Elizabeth Warren for pretending to be Native American for years. It is the most obvious line of attack ever, ever. And if she had attacked Elizabeth Warren, maybe she goes up in the polls again. But you know, the, the going theory is that, that is that Kamala Harris is campaigning for VP. Well, if Joe Biden's the nominee, that ain't happening. Joe Biden cannot stand her. So Elizabeth Warren put out her own letter on this. It's, it's so wonderful to watch the Democrats apply their own intersectional branding to the Kamala Harris exit. So while she was in, nobody liked her. Now that she's out, everybody is very angry at the Democratic base that she's out. So Cory Booker is angry. He's always angry. He, apparently, Rosario Dawson packed his angry eyes. He takes out those angry eyes, puts those right into his face. I'm so angry at the Democratic base. Very angry. <laughs> and then, and then you get Elizabeth Warren, right? Elizabeth Warren, she's doing the, and I'm very upset too. I'm so upset. Why is Elizabeth Warren upset? I'm upset because a woman, a woman is out. Well, yeah, so what? You're a woman. You're, you're there. Right? I mean, last I checked, you identify as a woman. I mean, I've even checked on your bio and you say that your preferred pronouns are she and hers. So, I mean, it seems like you're a woman and Amy Klobuchar, last I checked, is a woman whether she's throwing binders or not, whether she's wood chipping her staff or not. <laughs> there are women on the stage, but Elizabeth Warren puts out a letter today. Okay, here's the letter from Elizabeth Warren. She already got Cory Booker going, I'm the only black person left on the stage. And if we love, if we love racial diversity, you must nominate me. And if you don't, I'm gonna whip out these peepers, the Judge Doom peepers from Roger Rabbit. Okay, and then you've got to... <laughs> And then you got Elizabeth Warren, and here's her letter. Ugh, I love this stuff so much. I do. Sometimes politics is fun. But today is one of those days. So here is the letter from fading Elizabeth Warren, who is going to have to go back to, uh, if you're Elizabeth Warren and you fail in this race, basically you have to move to a Native American reservation, and then you have to sell sweaters, right? I mean, that's pretty much what you do. You just a bunch of the same sweater, different colors, like a rainbow variety of sweaters, maybe some Planned Parenthood scarves, exciting stuff. So Elizabeth Warren, she put out a letter. It says this, Kamala Harris and Kirsten Gillibrand, two women senators, women senators, who together won more than 11.5 million votes in their last elections, have been forced out of this race. Forced, don't you see? Forced. While billionaires Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg have been allowed to buy their way in. Okay, can I just explain something? No one forced Kamala Harris out of this race. She dropped out. There was nothing legally that forced her to drop out. She could have stuck around and failed. Kirsten Gillibrand, too. And I love that Elizabeth Warren's like, these two women together won more than 11.5 million votes in their last elections. Okay, Michael Bloomberg was the mayor of New York. Okay, how many votes were won in New York? Yeah, I, I would imagine millions of votes for Mayor Bloomberg in New York. And in, in his mayoralty, he was winning overwhelming percentages as mayor of New York. I don't see her aggregating his voting statistics as mayor of New York, right? And in 2009, he won a, an extremely heavy victory. But apparently he's very bad. He's very bad. And apparently Kirsten Gillibrand is very good. That's really exciting stuff. He was, by the way, in 2005, when he was reelected mayor, he was reelected by a margin of 
which is a pretty good stat for, for Mayor Bloomberg. In any case, she says that it's the billionaires forcing people out. So it's that the Democrats are not just racist. They are also sexist, don't you see? Elizabeth Warren, who for a brief period in time was leading the race. She was riding the plains of Oklahoma on her trusty Mustang, leading this race while following the Buffalo herd. She, Elizabeth Warren is now claiming that if she's not the nominee, it's because people are sexist. It's wonderful that, that Kamala Harris can play this kaleidoscopic role for so many Democrats. For Cory Booker, if Kamala Harris drops out, it's because the, the Democratic populace is racist unless they elect him. For Elizabeth Warren, it's because the Democratic populace is sexist if they don't elect her. And also classist because they're favoring Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg. She says, our party and our democracy deserve better. By the way, the, the only reason that Elizabeth Warren is putting out this letter, of course, and mentioning Kirsten Gillibrand is because of the woman card. It'd be one thing if she just said that Kamala Harris was forced out by bigger money, but dropping Kirsten Gillibrand's name, Kirsten Gillibrand was one of the first people to drop out because Kirsten Gillibrand had zero voters, including immediate family. Like everyone in her immediate family was turning to her and going, Kirsten, what are you doing? What are you doing? So playing the woman card for Elizabeth Warren. So let them all do this. Really, I'm, I'm enjoying it. We'll get to the other Democratic candidates in just one moment. First, let's talk about how important it is for you to figure out an investment strategy early on in your life. It's actually quite important. The more you invest now, the more you will earn later. And compound interest is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you start investing now and you have a smart investment strategy, the, the small amounts of money you put in are going to be worth a lot more money later. And the fact is, unfortunately, people in my generation, millennials, are underinvested. It's easy to see why. Well, 2008 was painful. A lot of companies make investing seem complicated. But SoFi Invest makes it super easy for anyone to start investing with as little as a dollar. You can even buy a piece of companies like Amazon or Google or Disney with SoFi's stock bits at whatever amount you want, which is pretty awesome, right? You can't afford to buy like an entire Apple share because those are actually really expensive, but you can afford to buy like a slice of that and then you own a small piece of Apple, right? Which is great. SoFi Invest makes investing simple to get started. Here's how it works. You go to SoFi.com slash Ben and you create an account. You choose to either do it yourself or let SoFi's automated, automated investing build your portfolio for you. You use stock bits to buy fractional shares of your favorite stocks. You can start with as little as a dollar. See for yourself how easy it is to start investing with SoFi at SoFi.com slash Ben. Fund your SoFi Invest account. Receive 25 bucks in mystery stock, which is free stock, and those are name brand stocks. Go to SoFi.com slash Ben. Claim your free stock today. It's SOFI.com slash Ben. SoFi Lending Corp. CFL number 6054612. Alrighty, so we'll get to the rest of the Democratic field, and then we'll get to impeachment, Kate. We'll get to all of that in just a second. First, if you're not already a subscriber, you're really missing out. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Did you miss our special deal over the weekend? Well, that's sad for you, but the fact is you can still buy in at like our normal price. And the normal price is still pretty fantastic. For as little as 10 bucks a month, you get all of our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts, our full show library, select bonus content, our exclusive Daily Wire app, which is a fantastic feature. If you haven't checked it out yet, if you choose the new all-access plan, Get all of those magical things, plus the legendary Leftist Tears Tumblr and our brand new Ask Me Anything style discussion feature that allows you to engage our hosts, writers, and special guests on a weekly basis. So stop depriving yourself. Come join the fun. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. By the way, speaking of Elizabeth Warren, who, again, has been fading badly, badly in the polls, she continues to fade because she continues to make wild promises that are utterly unkeepable. Yesterday, she was asked by a small child if she will end global warming. Here was her answer. Um, my question is, when you become president, are you going to stop global warming? Oh! 
brave child. Brave children, they're our future. Yes. I, I like that she's wearing the blue sweater today. That one's exciting. As I, as I note, she only wears one outfit. Ton different sweaters. Pretty exciting. Stuff. Yes, she's going to do so. How? By attacking the sun. Alternatively, by launching our, B2, our B-2 bomber. We, we have to launch some bombers. We have to launch them at all the coal mines in India and in China. I would just like to note that there's an article from the Huffington Post today about global carbon emissions hitting a record high in 2019. You know which is one country that actually lowered its emissions? Buried deep down in this article from the Huffington Post? Well, that would be the United States. The United States withdrew from the Paris Agreement. Also, U.S. emissions are predicted to fall by 1.7% over 2018 levels. Coal production will likely decline by about 10%. So for all the talk about how the United States is the real problem here, we are actually in a period of declining emissions, while emissions are rising pretty much everywhere else, China and India being the leaders in this sphere. I'm looking forward to Elizabeth Warren launching a full-scale war. I'm, I'm always amused by this idea that, that if we do not stop global warming today, we will, we're all going to die. If that were really true, we would have to do something to force China and India to stop the emissions, would we not? Right? Would, I mean, to be fair, isn't that what... They are the leading emitters by a long shot, and their emissions are going up and are going to continue to go up until at least 2030. But don't worry, Elizabeth Warren will solve global warming, just like Barack Obama. 2008, Iowa caucus victory night. This will be the moment when the rise of the seas was slow. Yeah. That didn't happen. Elizabeth Warren also excitingly says she's going to wear her, her pink Planned Parenthood scarf when she's sworn in as president of Candyland because she's not going to be president of the United States. Here's Elizabeth Warren. I spoke and I wore my pink Planned Parenthood scarf. Now that's two. So here's my plan for number three. I'm going to be wearing that scarf when I'm sworn in as president of the United States. See, this scarf says dead babies. Woo! Yeah, I can't imagine why these Democrats are... I mean, Hillary Clinton yesterday suggested she might jump back in. I cannot imagine why. By the way, Pete Buttigieg, who's supposed to be the moderate in this race, when Democrats aren't calling their own voters racist, they're calling everybody a racist. So here's Pete Buttigieg yesterday campaigning in South Carolina and suggesting that every single person who voted for President Trump in 2016 or is considering voting for Trump in 2020 is ignoring racism, which is idiotic. You don't have to actually love everything President Trump says to vote for him. You can disagree with many of the things that he says. You can disagree with his mannerisms. You can think that he is unstable. You can do lots of things and still vote for him when faced with the alternative of a very, very bitter Democratic Party intent on rewriting the American bargain. But here's Pete Buttigieg. I mean, this is a hell of a strategy for winning back those moderate swing voters. Call them racist, Pete. Anyone who supported this president is at best uh, looking the other way on racism. Oh, at best looking the other way. At worst, they're just open racist. All 63 million people who voted for President Trump. By the way, I'd just like to point out that obviously Pete Buttigieg is a homophobe because, you know, way back when, he actually was smiling and standing in front of a Salvation Army red kettle during a charity drive. So now who's not woke, Pete Buttigieg? I mean, first you say things like not all educational disparities are the result of systemic discrimination, which makes you a lying mf -er, according to Michael Harriet at The Root. And then... You stood in front of a Salvation Army kettle. Are you a self-hating gay person, Pete Buttigieg? I'm not kidding. They're, they're seriously LGBTQ activists who are angry at Pete Buttigieg over that. That's the party he chose to belong to, man. You bought the ticket, you take the ride. Okay, meanwhile, impeachment gate 2019 is moving forward. You may have noticed that I'm not talking about it too much on the show right now. Why? Because it's boring. We all know where this is going. Okay, the Democrats are going to impeach Trump in the House, and then this is going nowhere in the Senate. 
And they're going to do so on pretty scanty evidence of actual impeachable crimes. How do we know that the evidence is scanty? Well, they released a 300-page report yesterday that does not actually back up its key assertions. It was released by Adam B. Schiff. He wrote it in between, like during the, during the commercial breaks on CNN when he wasn't camped out in the pup tent outside the green room. He wrote this 300-page report. And he, and he talked about how this is, the, the president has committed crimes. Crimes! He says, the decision to move forward with an impeachment inquiry is not one we took lightly. Under the best of circumstances, impeachment is a wrenching process for the nation. I resisted calls to undertake an impeachment investigations for many months. On that basis, notwithstanding the existence of presidential conduct, I believe to be deeply unethical and damaging to our country. The alarming events and actions detailed in this report, however, left us with no choice but to proceed. And then he talks about the founding fathers. Yes, I'm sure that the founding fathers, the founding, by the way, the founding fathers would have looked at the activity of Trump here and they would have thought, impeachable? Mm." The reason being, impeachment has only been used against a president three times in our nation's history. Okay, once it never, never has it actually been used to remove a president. What is the exact, what, what is the exact angle on the impeachment? So they say, the, here's the executive summary of the, of the charges. There are only two charges. Abuse of power and obstruction. Okay, what exactly are the charges? One, the president conditioned a White House meeting in military aid to Ukraine on a public announcement of investigations beneficial to his reelection campaign. Okay, that is too vague to be an impeachable crime. You know what presidents do all the time? They do things beneficial to their reelection campaign. When Barack Obama said, I repeat myself because I've said this often, but it remains true. When Barack Obama said to Dmitry Medvedev, if you tell Vladimir Putin to back off, I will provide flexibility to the Russians in my next term on a hot mic. That was him conditioning something to the Russians on behalf of a reelection campaign. That's what that was. That was not illegal. It was bad. It was ugly. It was not impeachable. In fact, as it turns out, presidents frequently have an eye on their reelect efforts when they do foreign policy. So the fact that it was beneficial does not answer the question. The chief question in this entire inquiry, remember where this started. It started with the accusation that Donald Trump specifically and maliciously withheld aid to Ukraine, military aid to Ukraine in a time of war in order to force the Ukrainians to go after a 2020 political opponent, Joe Biden. It wasn't about 2016, wasn't about CrowdStrike, wasn't about Ukrainian corruption, wasn't about Ukrainian interference, wasn't about any of that stuff. It was about Joe Biden. But now the Democrats have morphed the charges. And once you morph the charges, they're no longer impeachable. See, the Democrats made a strategic error here. They should have pushed for some sort of censure. If they had pushed for censure, they could have gotten Republicans on the record saying Trump did nothing wrong. They could have said, look at all this bad stuff. Yeah, it's not impeachable, but it's bad stuff. Let's censure the president. Let's vote for censure. And then you'd get Republicans, presumably, who would feel torn, right? You get the Mitt Romneys of the Senate going, well, maybe I should vote for censure. You get some of the more moderate members of the House going, "Ah, well, you vote for censure. He's not ousted. No real impact there. But the Democrats went for broke. It's a lot easier for Republicans to say not impeachable than not censurable. But Democrats decided to go whole hog. They were playing chicken. And it turns out that you can only play chicken if there's somebody else playing with you. Okay, but in order to play chicken, you actually have to have the goods. They didn't have the goods. They put the brick on the accelerator. And now instead of playing chicken with somebody, they're just flying off that cliff like Delma and Louise. And the polls show this. Americans are not supremely excited about this impeachment effort. So the claim of Adam Schiff is that the president conditioned a White House meeting and military aid to Ukraine on a public announcement of investigations beneficial to his reelection campaign. Again, it would have to be that his intent, which has not been established by any testimony, was purely about getting Joe Biden for 2020. That's what would have to be shown. They did not achieve that burden of proof. They've not even come close to achieving that burden of proof. And then 
Schiff says that the president obstructed the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry. He said that he, he instructed witnesses and agencies to ignore subpoenas for documents and testimony. That's not obstruction. That is not legal obstruction. Legal obstruction is when you get a court order that orders you to turn over the documents and then you say no. The way that a subpoena normally works, and it even works this way with interrogatories in depositions, is that you get a request for stuff and then you are allowed to reply and say no. And then a court adjudicates whether you are allowed to say no or not. Schiff didn't even go through this process, not with Giuliani, not with Pompeo, not with Mick Mulvaney, not with anybody, not with Pence, with no one. There is no one who has defied a legal subpoena from the House. No one. It is not defying a subpoena to say no and then file a court case, which is what John Bolton did, for example. So that's just a lie. They don't have the goods. Bottom line is they don't have the goods. And as it turns out, every piece of evidence that's coming out supports my case as to what Trump was doing here, not the Democrats' case. Not Trump's case either, right? Trump says this was purely about corruption. All I cared about was corruption. There was no quid pro quo. Like, I don't think that the evidence supports that, but it does not support the actual impeachment case of the Democrats either. The story I've been telling since pretty much the very beginning when it became clear that there was, in fact, some sort of quid pro quo, right? Trump was withholding military aid for a reason and then gave up the withholding as soon as it became public. What that was really about was Trump being obsessive about the 2016 election, buying into bad information provided to him by Rudy Giuliani. Bad decision making? Sure. Foolish? Absolutely. Impeachable, not even close. Really, not impeachable. That's stuff you take into consideration during an election. It's not stuff that you take into consideration in an impeachable hearing. But, and and by the way, the, the Democrats are basically saying this stuff out loud now, right? Adam Schiff was asked specifically, why don't you just wait on some of the witnesses who might know Trump's intent? The Democrats so far have brought forth one, grand total of one witness who had a conversation with Trump. One, Gordon Sunland. That's it. And Gordon Sunland did not testify that Trump's intent was to get Joe Biden in advance of the 2020 election. He did not testify to that. In fact, not one Democrat witness could actually substantiate these quote-unquote bribery allegations Democrats are making. Not one. So Schiff was asked, why don't you just wait? Right? Why don't you just wait for the results of the subpoena? Why don't you wait for Giuliani to testify and Bolton to testify and Mulvaney to testify and Pence to testify? These are all people who had conversations with Trump. Why don't you just wait? And Schiff was like, we can't wait for the facts. When someone says you can't wait for the facts, that's because they don't they know the facts ain't going to come in on their side. Here's Adam Schiff just basically blowing a hole in his own case. If we do uncover additional evidence and, and we do learn more every day, we will feel free to file supplemental reports uh, to the Judiciary Committee. But there is, I think, grave risk to the country with waiting until we have every last fact when we already know enough about the president's misconduct to make a responsible judgment. OK, again. No, you don't, because it was an intense crime. Bribery is an intense crime. Intent is an element of the crime. Okay, this is not a case where the Democrats have the evidence. And you can see this in like the very first words of Schiff's 300-page report. And when he makes the case that the president requested a political favor, he again does not actually have the evidence to back this up. And he certainly doesn't have the evidence for, for obstruction, right? That, that one just does not exist. That's not there at all. In fact, there's a Washington Post piece today about the origins of the Ukraine pressure campaign by Rosalind Helderman. It completely undercuts the Democrat case. Remember, the Democrat case, to reiterate, again, was about Donald Trump trying to win the 2020 election by using Ukraine's gears of justice to grind Joe Biden. Right? That, was the, that was the claim. But here's an article from the Washington Post titled, How the Ukraine Pressure Campaign Began as an Effort to Undercut the Mueller Investigation. Does that have anything to do with 2020? The Mueller investigation was, in fact, an ongoing thing in the United States. It was. And as it turns out, 
If Trump was being fed bad information by Rudy Giuliani about Ukrainian interference in the election, and then he acted on the basis of that bad information, again, that may be bad judgment. That ain't impeachable. Presidents act on the basis of bad information all the time. In fact, Barack Obama did with, with Iran on a routine basis. This piece from the Washington Post says, Special Counsel Robert Mueller had secured the cooperation of Trump's one-time fixer, Michael Cohen, and appeared to be prepping to indict a longtime advisor, Roger Stone. Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was in jail. It was in this uncertain moment that Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, said he had the idea to focus on Ukraine. That November, he received a tip from former colleagues that it was the Ukrainians who had conspired to help Democrats in 2016, Giuliani said in recent interviews. Giuliani's efforts to undermine the special counsel probe eventually snowballed into the current impeachment crisis gripping the Capitol, highlighting how the pressure Trump and his allies put on Ukraine originated as an effort to sow doubts about the Russia investigation. Alternative reading. The entire effort began as an attempt to gather more information about the 2016 election campaign. If we expended tens of millions of dollars to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 campaign, that Trump, then Trump, even on the basis of bad information, in using American resources to pressure Ukraine to cooperate on an investigation into Ukrainian interference into 2016, it may be stupid. It is not, in fact, impeachable. Okay, the Washington Post is admitting as much. It's admitting as much. So this whole thing is a sham. It's going to move forward. It's why I'm not paying too much attention to it. We all know where this is going. If Democrats are smart, they'll get it over with quick because once this hits the Senate, it's going to get a lot uglier for them. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden will be called in. There will be serious questions asked about Alexandra Chalupa, the DNC operative who's coordinating with the Ukrainian embassy. Like there will be witnesses called that Democrats don't want called. It could get very ugly very quickly. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. So Peloton put out this bike ad. There is nothing wrong with this bicycle ad. It trends in on Twitter. People apparently were very angry at this ad. I'm going to play the ad and then explain why people were angry. And then I'm going to explain why there's nothing wrong with the ad because you have to, honestly, you have to have been hit on the head as a child repeatedly in order to spot the problem with this ad. Now. A Peloton? Give it up for our first time ride. All right, first ride. I'm a little nervous, but excited. Let's do this. Five days in a row. You surprised? I am. 6 a.m. Yay. Rising with the sun. That was totally worth it. Let's go, Grace of Austin. 50 rides. She just said my name. A year ago, I didn't realize how much this would change me. Thank you. This holiday, give the gift of Peloton. Okay, so do you see anything wrong with that ad? If you, if you can't spot what's wrong with that ad, it's because you're a member of the patriarchy, you bastard. Okay, here's what's wrong with the ad, according to the left. Seriously, what's wrong with the ad is that the ad is sexist. Don't you see? The husband never should have given his wife a Peloton because he was saying she was fat. She was fat. That's what he was doing. He wanted her to be sexier, and so he gave her a Peloton bite, right? That, that's re Really, this is what people are saying online. I'm not kidding. It, it, there's an article in the Washington Post called, quote, this Peloton ad is a dystopian fitness inspo hellscape. Hellscape! Okay, the entire ad is just a woman climbing on a bike and then taking this video so she can th say thanks to her husband after a year because the Peloton's an expensive gift and talking about how it's changed her life. You know, exercise can actually make your life better. I know, the breaking news, exercise can make you feel better even if you're already in good shape. It releases endorphins. It makes your life healthier. All of these things, but... Apparently, the only reason he wanted to give his very skinny, very attractive and fit wife already a Peloton is because she was fat, because she was a fatso, because he's a sexist and he wants to have sex with a beautiful wife as opposed to having sex with a slightly less beautiful wife. She probably lost like six ounces over the course of that ad. And those six ounces, that's what he was after. He wanted those six ounces gone. 
This is, I'm not kidding. This is what people are saying. That it's, a, this, this ad went nuts. People went crazy. Brittany Shamus writing for the Washington Post. The woman wears an eerie expression as she climbs onto her new Peloton for the first time. She's sort of smiling, sort of grimacing. She looks like she might burst into tears. I'm a little bit nervous, but excited, she says, not at all convincingly at the start of the pricey stationary bicycle company's new commercial. It was a look that spawned a thousand Twitter jokes to some, the young mother who spends the majority of her 30-second ad toiling away on the bike after her husband gives it to her for Christmas, looked like a hostage. Okay, first of all, I have a wife who does not particularly love exercising, and every time she starts to exercise, she gives me that same look, and then she's happy afterward. So I totally sympathize with this ad. Seriously, like she, it, it's, it's hard to get started. It, it's, it's hard to get started exercising. It is. But it's not because the woman is being pressured into riding a Peloton bike. She's not being tortured by her husband. This is ridiculous. Okay, comedian Eva Victor exclaimed in a widely shared parody video, my husband got me a Peloton for Christmas. Nothing weird about that. Thank you. You get me. Okay, again, I have considered getting my wife a Peloton. You know why? Because she said that maybe she'd be interested in a Peloton because it doesn't just, I mean, like, I don't mean to do an ad for Peloton here, but it's kind of cool. Right? You got the stationary bike and then you got the actual, like, live sessions going on. You have to be part, basically part of a fitness class live every day. It's a pretty neat thing. I've considered getting a Peloton and my wife has talked to me about wanting one. So is this so terrible? The company's stock tumbled Tuesday by 9% on backlash from this dumb, stupid controversy. The ad made its debut last month on YouTube, where the comments are turned off. The ad carried an innocuous title, The Gift That Gives Back. But to many watching, the star of the commercial didn't seem to want it at all. After the Peloton is foisted upon her. Because I, do you remember the part of the ad where the husband comes in and he actually chains her to the bike? And he says, you are going to bike Woman, you are going to bike until that ass looks better. You're going to bike until that ass comes right off. You remember that part of the ad? I don't because it's not in the ad because that's crazy. But apparently, according to the media and according to idiots on Twitter, that is an integral part of the ad. Apparently, at the, at the end, in a twist some found to be a little too Black Mirror, she plays the montage of grueling workouts for her husband the next Christmas, turning to him to watch his reaction. The Peloton looms in the background. It was spousal abuse, viewers cried. It was sexism, a descent into wellness hell, society's nightmare before Christmas. Vice said she would rather be anywhere in the world than here, in her glacial home with the husband she loathes, putting on this sick pantomime of wellness and marital bliss. She'd even rather be back on the dreaded Peloton. <laughs> Okay, the whole thing is so stupid. It's so stupid. There is nothing wrong with the ad. There's just something wrong with you. There's just something wrong with you. If you watch that and what you got out of that is what a horrible husband who got his wife a twenty uh, a $2,000 bicycle so that she can exercise when she sees fit and then she thanked him for it. What a horrible life she leads. If that's what you got out of that, it's because you're an idiot. An idiot. And your woke social justice warrior garbage is nonsense. And by the way, if, if my wife suggested that she wanted to be healthier and so I got her a Peloton bike, there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, if my wife were dramatically overweight, which she is not, and I said to her, you know, honey, it would be more healthy if you lost some weight. That's not me being a bad husband. If she said the same thing to me, that's not her being a bad wife. Being in a marriage means communication about issues. Yes, including your health and wellness. There's nothing wrong with any of this. But the fact that it is now considered sexist to get your wife a pretty nice bike for Christmas, how dare he? He's the real villain of the piece. He's like, this Hitlerian figure looming because just like Hitler he gave somebody a bike you know who liked bicycles Hitler let me tell you something about sexism let me tell you something about sexism sexism looms in giving women bicycles I know this is Harvey Weinstein's chief tactic when he was out there victimizing women the first thing he did is he sent them a peloton he sent them a peloton and then he tried to rape them that was the prelude right there to rape culture that was hashtag me too what we watched right there you're all nuts you're all crazy there's nothing wrong with the ad. If you think there is, 
because you're dumb. Okay, we've run out of time. So that was sort of a thing I like and a thing I hate. So we'll be back here a little bit later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. So be there or be square. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producers Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, technical producer Austin Stevens, associate producer Colton Haas, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. On the Matt Wall Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 